Oh, where, oh, where could Tom Scallon be? The man's probably sleeping, it's past 7.30. We got a guest host, Willie Nelson, could it be? His last name is Nelson, but his first name is actually Lee. Welcome back to episode 36 of Talking the Walk. I am Paul Patterson. And I'm Lee Nelson. I, I was going to get super excited and be like, boom, you just heard a great new intro song, but you didn't. Um, Jake did not get it done. So drop the ball a little bit on that one. Uh, actually, we were sitting next to one another today in, in our room, and I asked him how he was coming along on the song, and, and I won't tell you exactly what he said or how he said it. He just basically said, when are you recording? And I said, 8.30 tonight, which we're a little late than that because we had, we had a pretty good discussion coming in. Um, and then... He said, what was the song again? And I said, See You Again by Miley Cyrus. Couldn't remember it. So then he had to go back and listen again. He's like, how am I supposed to write to that? And I said, wait till you get to the chorus. Yes. And then come up with something. Nothing. We got nothing. We, we were shut out tonight by Jake Brown. He's better than that, but I'll give him a pass. Fair enough. The name of this episode, Cletus Summers. We'll talk about that here in just a second, because not only are you hosting, but you are also guest appearing as far as uh, um, what we're going to talk about. So we'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, original music. If we're going we're going all the way back to the original, the OG Lee Nelson song. Um, we're not doing the last one that he did. Yeah, that was one that was supposed to be two zigzags and, and you know, 45, two zigzags. Um, great song. Not not Wonderful. clean, but it's a great song. Um, original artwork, Bailey Bishop, social media director, Tyler Stanley, fact checker, Jill Martin, marketing, Jeff Gravy. And, and we're going to, we're going to go right into confessional. Um, this really isn't part of the confessional, but I just thought you would like to know, you know, last time I complained, um, about people not taking care of their sidewalks and their, their driveways, 100% convinced that this morning when I got up to walk that driveways and sidewalks were not going to be taken care of. I wore my hunting boots uh, when I went on my walk this morning. Much, much better for me. Not a confessional, just a, a simple fact. Here's, I've, I've got two confessionals. Number one, uh, snow removal. I like, I don't, I like snow, or shoveling snow. I don't mind. Um, I'm going to talk more about that here in just a little bit. Um, the second one. I um, have an obsession with uh, even numbers. So like when I set my cruise control in my truck, it's on an even number. Um, when I shut the TV off before I go to bed at night, it's on an even number. Uh, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about even temperature in the truck, even number. Um, just something about even numbers that uh, I'm in on. I think as you continue to confess in the confessional, I think people are getting a the true colors of Paul Patterson, like things that people that have been around you, like maybe don't understand or know, but like, we know that there's some weird ticks that get you going. And, and yeah. I think that this is really just shining a light on that. Yeah. There's a lot. And maybe I'm going to have to slow down in the confessional and not confess every week. Maybe that's what it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing you have plenty. Oh yeah. Confess. I mean, yes. Yes. Some that I will never share with people you know, some of the things that, that go on in my world, but you know, it is what it is. 
Some people know me a little better than others, you know. Anyway, back to snow removal. Riddle me this, Batman. Can you tell me why people with snowblowers like to help take care of other people with snowblowers? Like, I've got my snowblower out on Tuesday, and my neighbor comes, and he snowblows my sidewalk for me. I have a snowblower. It's running. I am actively using it to take care of my sidewalk. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I have a snowblower that doesn't work right now. <laughs> so I appreciate the people that, uh, that will help out. I, now, I will say this. I'm in the process of getting a snowblower, not, not fixing the one I have, getting one um, from somebody else. I just haven't gotten it yet. And our assistant AD, John Fitzpatrick, shout out, John. Uh, he brought a snowblower over on Tuesday morning to our house. He does not have a truck. He had to get his wife's minivan, put the snowblower in the back of the van with the, the back open and came over and, uh, and snow. How do you say that? What's the past tense of snow blowed? Snow blowed my driveway. I think, um, I don't think it's snow blue. Yeah. So, so the best part was he comes over and does this parks in the street, obviously, cause we're clearing the driveway, but he has a white van. So clearly has to put the hazards on, right? Oh, okay. And it wasn't there that long, maybe a half hour goes to leave dead, oh, dead no. battery, dead battery. <laughs> so, so then I jump, jumped his uh, van for him. So I feel like, you know, we both really helped each other out. Sure. But for me, you didn't, you don't have a snowblower. I get yeah, that. I get your neighbor or assistant athletic director coming to help you with your driveway with a snowblower. I'm saying what causes somebody that clearly sees a snowblower running, but yet still comes to take care of it. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nor do I really care all that much. It, it got done. Um, and we have had a boatload of snow. So I, I shoveled three times on Monday. Again, don't mind shoveling. And then on Tuesday morning, I wake up and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be okay. There are bare spots in the driveway. And then in other spots, there are three foot drifts. So I got the snowblower out and took care of it. Um, also, I uh, got Christy just a little bit nervous, worried. I made an angry, it, that's what I have it labeled as in my iTunes library, an angry playlist. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of, of tool to, uh, to get me motivated to, to attack the driveway. Um, and sometimes it works. Well, it worked. Worked on Monday and Tuesday. I got after it. Anyway, that's all I got for my confessional. Do you have anything? I, I have one. Boom. This is, I got to be honest with you. This is one of the highlights of having you be the host. And I'm kind, of, have a confessional. I'm kind of dealing with this issue right now. Like exactly the second. I have a miserable attention span when I have something else that I'm What's doing. What's on? Are the, are the Hawkeyes on? No, I'm not watching any TV. I just got a couple irons in the fire with some stuff going on at, at work. Like not bad things, just trying to get something scheduled uh, here shortly. So like I'm, I'm kind of looking at my phone right now, but I catch myself doing this all the time. People will stop into my office and I'll see an email pop up and instantly my attention to them is gone and I'm now just locked into this email. So 
when I'm doing stuff, I've just got to have one. And I think it's, it's devices. I think I just got to have one device. Okay. There. Well, the, and just, the uh, biggest positive right now is feedback's going to take a while. So you'll have a little bit of time to, to be checking things. Good. Good. Cause I'm going to use that time. <laughs> I like it that you're on. Okay. So first bit so of is feedback. It, so is that feedback time now, right? Yeah. 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 All we're right. moving right into it. I'll see you and in 10. Thank you for hopping in the confessional. I, I always hop in the confessional. Yeah, I know. I, and I appreciate that. Oh, and, and Schmitz, I guess. Smith's hopped in last week. Yeah. Oh, geez. So I, we'll talk about him here at the, remind me to bring him up at the end of feedback. Okay. The reason why you're on is because Tom is in Hawaii right now, currently in Hawaii. At least you know where he's at. Cause when I asked you before, you just named like, a bunch of warm weather climates and True. had no I just idea. know they were going warm. I didn't know exactly where, or I couldn't remember. I shouldn't say I didn't know. I couldn't remember. So the first thing, um, first bit of feedback is me, uh, Jeff Cleaver, um, sent this and he's got, he's got uh, four of them. Um, first one, as a freshman, I think Patterson gave Buer, which would be Ryan Buer, and I some crazy bodybuilding workout that we used in the spring of our freshman year. It took us like 90 minutes to get through the Monday, Tuesday workouts. I think we were pretty much the only people down there in the afternoon that spring. By the way, side note, that workout, still have a copy of it. The best benching improvement or, or gain workout that I have ever done and still have ever done. It, it is, if you want your bench to go up, that's the one to use. And I don't know if we've mentioned this or not, but I love benching when I work out. Uh, when in that manner, which I haven't for quite some time, but man, I love benching. I remember, so this is number two, I remember when Scanlon got the head job, he asked me to start lifting at school. This is funny with my teammates. And I was, I was upset because I had just purchased my own weight set, but he was right. Good times in the weight room. And I couldn't spot myself. Number three, prior to the stereo system, we made mixtapes on cassette to play in a boombox. Same songs every day. Got a little old. Also the first couple of days we had the new system. It was cranked so loud. It was nearly painful. All true stories, everything. Um, number four, also remember spending part of a spring break painting the edges of all the weights so people would put them back in the right spot. He and I went out and bought, I don't know how many different colors of spray paint um, and <laughs> put those in um, the weight room. And then we, we, anyway, we color coded, we colored the weight tree, we colored the weights so that everybody put them back on there and um, it worked okay. It wasn't perfect, but it worked okay. Um, this one was my favorite piece of feedback, just from the standpoint of just if listen, thinking back to how Tom brought it up to then how he responded. Um, so Thomas Minert, which again, I, I still am struggling with the Thomas Minert part. I'm used to Tommy Minert. Uh -huh. So, um, just minding my own business, enjoying my Friday morning podcast and now I have a flashback to 1314 at Sheridan worst football memory I have <laughs> thanks Gallon. um and then he also wanted to make sure we let the record show that he was benched from PAT after the after the Sheridan game um and then blocked a kick during PAT practice which caused him to be put back on the PAT team Tyler Shamel Sent a picture that he had talking to walk on at Shamble Carpentry, which his dad and his brother are all a part of. Um, and then he is pumped to see the new facility and uh, thought it was well overdue or is well overdue for Norwalk Athletics. Dustin Kralik, 
has several um, pieces of feedback, and I think there are four of them, I think. So number one, he said, usually we are on the same page uh, with idiosyncrasies, but he said not in the dryer lint. Um, he cleaned that stuff out right away so you don't forget. What are you? You know, I was listening to this. I, I don't really know because if you're doing multiple loads of laundry, are you doing it after or before? if you do it in between? Okay, great question. Great question. First load of laundry, are you cleaning it out or are you waiting until it's done? Oh, I don't do it all the time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I mean, certainly those things weren't made to like clean out every single time, right? Boy, I'll tell you what, good thing you don't live in this house. It gets cleaned every time. <laughs> Every Interesting. time. Yeah. Just, just so you know. I mean, there's times that I've taken that thing out and I look at it. I'm like, that doesn't need cleaned. Okay. That's fine. There's another load in that one. Maybe two. Side note. I agree with you. However. <laughs> okay. Not in this house. Number two. Um, we had PE in the weight room, wrestling room. I remember Matt Hockdill diving for a dodgeball and smacking his head on a 45 pound plate. Believe it. That was one of the most dangerous places to play dodgeball back in the day. I mean, it's still dangerous down there because of how tight it is, but even worse, it had all the weight equipment equipment laying around and you were still diving all over the place. Of course, back, well, we're not going to go down. It, it, I'm guaranteeing Schmitz is listening. We're not going down that rabbit hole. Hmm. Really excited for the new weight and fitness facilities, although he's he is a little upset that he didn't get asked uh, for any input on that. And then if you want to join soccer staff, just, just need to let him know so he can get me an updated t-shirt to go along with the, with the original. So that is from Dustin Thompson. Next, Dennis Bura. Um, this one made me giggle a lot just because it, it was, you remember Family Matters, right? Uh -huh. um, he sent a clip of Urkel asking Laura for the out for the 1,000th time and she said no for the 1,000th time. And that's what Dennis is reminded of every time I ask Scallon if he's going to hop in the confessional. Because <laughs> he knows it's a no coming. I need a little help with visualization here. How do you spell Dennis's last name? B-O-E-R-R-E. -R -R -E. And remember, his mom and dad are from Denmark. So they are Danish. His brother's name, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Lasse. Lassa? Lassa. Yeah. So How did he Lassa, get Dennis? Lassa Bura. Well, his dad's name was, well, it is. He, he passed away here, um, but it's Lars Peter Bura, and Eva Bura is his mom. So it's the four of them. Two yeah, boys. Dennis, Dennis just seems a, a lot uh, this is right, American. American than the yeah. rest of them. Yeah. But I've just Great. heard that I've heard that name a lot and I just was curious how you spell that last name. B-O-E-R-R-E. -R -R -E. The great family. Absolutely fantastic family. Um, Cole Hopkins, Mark Parrington, I hope you're listening. Um, so this is from Cole Hopkins. Mark Parrington, I would be eternally, great, eternally grateful for even just one story of, of or photo of said suitor at the Hag household circa 1988. I love Schmitz's cowboy dig at Scallon flawless delivery and i sincerely hope that the new facility and weight rooms blueprints include extensive underground tunnels for evacuation and safety reasons 
course. We could talk about that sometime too on a podcast, some of the different explorations that we have uh, partook in. Um, Michelle Tompkins, she wanted to thank me for inspiring Trevor uh, with the lint trap talk to clean the laundry soap detergent or dispenser tray. Um, she, she just thought that that was what got him going and got him cleaning that. So um, Lee Nelson, that's you. Your favorite quotes from the last episode were M-I-N, Tom Scallon, we'll leave it at that, and back on the Coke, Paul Patterson, saying that. Um, now I'm into- Those two things just made me laugh. I just, I got a, a giggle out of those two. They were funny. They were funny. And the, the funniest one was when Tom is, you know, confused as to whether or not he's here or not here. That was, that was sincere, um, like, confusion. Schmitz and I are laughing. And then if you could have saw when I said, you know, I'm back on the Coke, if you could have saw Schmitz's face with that, he was just like, what did you just say? And then I had to clarify. It was really funny. So I agree with you. Okay. So Trevor, basically what this boils down to um, for him and, and what he wants us to know is how much the weight room and weight lifting can be set up in high school for a lifelong um, activity. And, and he thinks that that is, that's vitally important for us to make sure we emphasize uh, when it comes to that and, and how important the weight room is for kids to gain some confidence and gain some discipline and gain some um, good healthy habits, really, basically is what it boils down to. And then the last thing that he talked, and, and I've got to come back to him for bowling update, but then the last thing that he came back to was he, he just thought how awesome it was that his oldest Cayenne Pepper Tompkins um, reached out to some of the, the alum that came back last spring and helped the current seniors with workouts and just wanted to see them be successful and wanted to help them as much as possible. And, and um, they just, they came in and they rocked it. You know, they've got a little weight room or a little uh, uh, workout center set up out there at the Tompkins house. And some of those older guys came back and, and helped them with things and, and no questions asked, you know, didn't bat an eye and just came in and helped him. He thought that was really neat. Um, Jeff Grady thought it was a great podcast with Schmitz and he has been indebted to Schmitz when, um, Jesus Schmitz, I, I get it just a second. Um, when my car got stuck behind the middle school in the snow. So Schmitz is trying to call me right now and he wants to be the first live call in uh, on the podcast. Oh, that kid. You could send him a Zoom link, but you know his internet out there. I mean, that thing must run like, I mean, he would be able to drive into town faster and get on the, the school Wi-Fi than, than use his own and actually have it work. Yeah, I need to stop telling him when I'm when we're when we're broadcasting or when we're recording so that he doesn't do <laughs> He's this. He's going to call me in a second now. <laughs> Probably. Um, so Corey Stillman, Christy's brother, sent me all kinds of feedback, but he did it all on Snapchat gone and I didn't save any of them so he gave me feedback and he gave me some things but I I don't know if it's not in a text or not in an email I have a tough time remembering or if you send me a direct message in uh, um, Twitter so Corey little little lesson for you and then Jill Martin um, she just sent me hers um, today you know the the 
First one, I can't always remember all my feedback, but I always do lint trap when all clothes are folded and put away. It's my reward. I love cleaning the lint trap. Very exciting to peel it off. And, and she is fully aware that she is weird. However, I told her it is very satisfying to get just one little piece started and then pull the whole thing off in one um, continuous strip. So I understand that. Um, and she often around the house do some sort of task and then get a reward. You know, in this case, it happens to be the peeling it off in one strip. Um, she also noticed the repeat of the confession, but it sounds like the car he drives has changed since the first confession. So he was letting that slide for me and I appreciate that. Um, and then also, can we get dibs yet for you to join staffs? And, and I had told her that Christy and I had actually talked about me doing that um, two years ago to uh, give up the weight room in the winter and, and join the, uh, the girls basketball staff when they were looking for somebody. But as of right now, um, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I haven't decided. And then she also remembers the weight room down in the wrestling room when she used to follow um, Roger around and her favorite machine used to be the, the jumping machine. You put the, put the harness, basically the, the, the shoulder harness on your shoulders and then you would you'd have the platform put some weight on it, and then you would just keep jumping and it was supposed to increase your vertical. It was, it was a very popular machine um, back in the day. So the last one for me is making sure that I talk about Schmitz, not, not because he has sent me a text that he wants to be the first call in and he's trying to call me, but because he has been all over me about when are we recording the next podcast and you know why. Because he did the last one and he wants to know what feedback we got from the last episode because he was on it and he's very concerned about what people have to say we're moving on do you have any feedback do you have anything else no we're going to high school sports um and swimming i see uh norwalk carlisle and lincoln took third i do believe this past weekend in the ciml um conference swim meet so i thought that was pretty good for our for our group and um it was, uh, it was just so good to have, have all of the, the, the Metro schools back. And, and obviously, you know, fairly personal for us is, is being able to get our, um, get our swimmers back in the pool too and, and being able to compete. So I thought that was really good. And then um, we'll talk right now about Trevor's update on bowling. Bowling last Saturday, 23rd, both boys and girls won their home meets versus Sigourney. Also looks like, oops, sorry. Um, and then coming up, they've got, uh, I think, two meets left. And still, our home lanes, would that be the proper way of saying it? Still not letting spectators in. So still without that. Um, basketball, boys and girls both um, had a really rough rough night on, on Friday night. And I'll talk more about that um, as we get to the positive, um, even though it's it's strange that we're doing a positive. But but they lost um, both games at... at uh, um, Pella Christian, and then no, the girls won. Girls won, yeah, won and then the turned around in, in an emotional game on Saturday. Both teams won um, down there at, at, at your place, and and it was it was quite a night, you know, from Friday night to to Saturday. So a lot of emotions and a lot of things going on with with the loss of Jim and and how that all went down. And um, we'll talk more about him um, in the in the positive. Uh, wrestling doing really well. They, they had a really good meet on Saturday. It was, a, you know, the, the, is it Ed Winger? 
Yeah, it is. Um, and, and basically as close to state as you can get, you know, as far as getting yourself ready. And, and we had a lot of really good, good kids um, to wrestle against and did really well as far as our placing and, and uh, had a really good night. They've, they've got conference. Well, we've got conference, right? Indianola and Norwalk. We've got, we've got dual tomorrow night, mm -hmm. conference championship dual tomorrow night, and then conference individual tournament on Saturday at Newton. Um, is uh, is on Saturday, so got that going on. You got anything else? Updates for you? You want to do any updates? Uh, yeah. The 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 one thing I'm actually working on now is we're supposed to swim against Marshalltown on Tuesday night. Um, Marshalltown cannot have activities if they don't have school, so they were unable to come. It was supposed to be our senior night. Um, our coach tried all day today to try to get an opponent for tomorrow night um, did not uh, get one. So we are going to do actually an, an intra-squad time trials, if you will, tomorrow night where we can try to incorporate uh, senior night into that. And then also, you know, let them swim and get timed and, and run it like a, a regular meet. So just trying to get all that stuff in order right now. But where did you go for a conference? For what? Swimming. There isn't uh there isn't conference swimming because we're one team short of okay. having little high guy conference swimming. However, we always ho host a girl's invite and a boy's invite each year uh, where we get the schools together that are in the conference that have swimming, but we don't, it's just an instant invite. There is no, when did you conference. do that? Did you do that last Saturday when, when all the other conferences? No, we did it. We did it a week ago on Tuesday. Okay. Okay. So you still had oh. something for, for your swimmers. Yep. Grinnell, Oskaloosa, and then NCMP come up okay. for that. Okay. Good deal. Um, so next piece is, is the IHSAA classifications came out and we added, added a 5A, 36, 36, 36, top three, those 16, those, those three classes will have 16 qualifiers. And then um, 2A through A will have 32 qualifiers and obviously well, I shouldn't say obviously, but, and, and they'll have eight regular season games instead of nine. We'll have nine regular season games in, in 3A, 4A, and 5A. And then eight man is the same thing. The, the difference with eight man will be how many non-district games versus district games they have. And, and they still, that number is um, very fluid right now as far as how many teams are going to play eight man football. And I think the association is pushing really hard for you to declare where are you going? You know, are you, are you below the 120, but still going to play 11 man? Are you above the 120 and going to petition to try and play eight man? What's going to happen and how many teams are we going to end up with in, in eight man football? And so that's why right now can't tell you how many, how many regular season games and how many non-district and things like that. So at this point in time, A, 1A and 2A will have eight regular season games, 32 qualifiers. They will have five district games and three non-district games. 4A and 3A will have nine regular season games, five district games, four non-district games. Then in 5A right now, it looks like they're going pods. They will be back to pods like they were originally scheduled to do this year that got all messed up. Uh, back to pods and it, it'll be um, RPI, straight RPI for the top 16 in that. And that's, that's kind of how things shook out uh, at that point in time or at this point in time you know and and 
just walk you through some of the things that that have been going on. Um, you know, Sunday we had a meeting because we knew that we were having a meeting tonight. So Sunday we had a meeting. It was the coaches' side of of this playoff advisory committee. We met for 90 minutes. Um, I got I was fortunate enough to have my second lunch with Tom Keating, um, and he invited Todd Tharp and, and Jared Chiswick this time. Um, met in, in Ames for lunch today, and then tonight we had a uh, had a meeting at 6:30 to talk about all the different things when it comes to the playoffs. We talked about playoff qualifiers, we talked about, are we gonna use the RPI? Are we gonna use 17 point rule? Um, what, who is the automatic qualifier? Who are, who are the at large? Um, I mean, we just, we talked about everything that we needed to talk about so that when they go back to the board of control, they can, they can make their presentation as to what they're gonna do and how things are gonna shake out that way. Uh, and then we also talked about the playoff schedule. Uh, for 2021 and, and how that's going to look and, and what they're thinking right now. That doesn't mean that it's set in stone, um, but those are just some of the things that we talked about. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, from an IFCA side of things, we felt really good about the announcement last week. You know, and I know you personally, uh, for, well, I mean, I do know you personally, but I know that Indianola personally uh, was excited about the, the, the fact that they're going to be 4A um, in, in, in that second class as opposed to the top class. I think it's just a better fit for our school sure. um, to be in that class. I mean, we are, we are a lot more like Norwalk than we are Valley. Yeah. I mean, or Southeast Polk or, right. I mean, you keep going down the list. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. Agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So um, IFCA wise, you know, that it, it's really good that, that we got that. And now for us, you know, a couple of things that we've got to continue to work on. One, we've got to continue to work on our communication with, with our members, number two, we got to make sure that we continue to to work on our communication and relationship with the Iowa High School Athletic Association, and I'll talk more about that here in just a second. And then three, we've got to figure out how to focus on something else other than playoff qualifiers and and how many teams in a class. We've got to now focus on how do we make football better, um, and we're going to get there as far as trying to figure that out and come up with a solution. And then for me, you know, personally, I want to continue to 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 have lunches with Tom and and continue to build that relationship and, and uh, um, foster a, a better working relationship between the two organizations. And I think we are in a really good position right now, um, just open and honest, and, and we may not like what they're doing and they may not like what we have to say, but, but at least we know where each other sits and, and uh, it's been really good. And, and so far um, we're off to a good start and I'm kind of excited about it. So that's it. Anything else from you? Do you have any questions? You wanna ask any questions? No? Yeah, I won one little question. Okay. Is the playoff schedule going to be significantly different? Um, no, but remember, we added a class, so it's got to look a little different just from the way that things are going to set up, you know, as far as how things will shake out um, when it comes to that. And, and basically... Do you mean like dome-wise or before um, that? Dome-wise, we are going four and three when it comes to the uh, um, playoffs or the, the finals, the championships. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the initial schedule right now is four on Thursday and three on Friday. Which ones are where? So right now, the way, and again, again, preliminary, this is not set in stone. Mm -hmm. They will go eight player just like normal at 10 a.m. on Thursday, class A at 1.30. Class 1A at 4.30 and then class 4A at 7.30. So very similar to how they have things shook out now. Um, and then on Friday, it'll be class 2A at 10, 3A at 1, and 5A at 7. That's how it will shake out. 
you know, and obviously with with several classes only having eight regular season games and other classes, three classes having nine regular season games, you will have a first round playoff week and week nine for everybody else when it will be first round playoffs for those classes that have 32 playoff qualifiers. So it makes a little bit of a difference. Lots of positives, lots of really good things going on uh, in the world of football and, and in the world of IHSAA and IFCA, in my opinion. Good work out of you guys. Anything else? You got anything else? No. Okay, so we're moving on. So first, what I want to talk about is the non-sponsor. And you're going to have to do a little bit more of this. And as, as you know, people are starting to figure this out, it usually is some sort of inside story, inside joke, inside um, information that you need in order to understand where the, where the non-sponsor comes from. This one is basically just on you. I have okay. not been here. I have not been to this place. However, I, I enjoy the name and I love the fact that you have talked, you, I don't know how many times you talked about it on your own podcast. And again, that's the two putt podcast. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Um, it is the nasty nine. Let's hear something about it. All right. So the nasty nine is a, a beautiful uh, semi-private, I don't know what that means, but that's what it says in the sign, nine-hole golf course just north of Northwood, Iowa. So if you know anything about Northwood, Northwood is extremely close to Minnesota, like three miles close. So you can't go north very far out of town uh, that, that you would be still in Iowa, but the golf course is uh, the Northwood Country Club, which we especially the people my age, we like to, to call it the nasty nine. That's they used to have those little bag clips that you could put on your uh, golf bag. That said the nasty nine, they were pretty cool. Um, you still so have one? I do. I do not know. I didn't but realize, you know how, I didn't realize how cool it was until now. Like that but name is there isn't one laying around your mom's house. I don't know. I'm sure there is. Cause as most parents never throw anything away, it probably is still there. It's in a box somewhere with your name on it that she's going to deliver sometime when yeah, she comes down. I hope so. So for those of you that uh, enjoy golf, uh, you would have fun playing the nasty nine. It is, uh, uh, there's some, there's some challenges. There's some things that aren't extremely challenging. Uh, if you just enjoy um, being at a golf course, they have wonderful drink deals at the nasty nine. Okay. You know, where most of the time you go to a golf course and you buy a six pack of beer, it's going to be like 20 bucks. It's like 10 to 12 at the nasty nine. Nice. And, and they're tall boys. So okay. I would uh, highly recommend the nasty nine to anybody uh, that wants to go. And honestly, if you want to go, I will gladly go with you uh, and show okay. you the ins and outs of that place. So uh, in other words, the, the absolute perfect non-sponsor for us. Absolutely. Okay. I like it. I like it. anything else about the nasty nine. Toughest hole uh, on the nasty nine. Uh, the, the toughest hole, um, there's actually a par three. It's the sixth hole at the nasty nine. It's 160 yards, not very far, but it is like, um, a mountain of a green, you know, like way up, like an like an elephant underneath it. And there's like a 10 to 15 foot square. You can land it on that green and keep it on the green. It's almost, it's hard because it's not fair. 
okay. there's two two greens out there like that that it is it is brutal and uh it's even one of those those holes like in a best shot you just want to make a par and get out of there sure so it, it is it's a tough hole again a lot of the toughness is because it's not extremely fair i mean you can make par but like honestly like you, you take your bogey and just get out of there I, uh, I remember you guys talking about that on the two putt podcast as yeah, far as that, yeah. that one, because it, there must've been some sort of argument that you guys parred in your best, best shot. Mm-hmm. And then this other group somehow beat you. And you were like, how did you guys beat us when, when you like, um, Oh no, that was, that was actually, that was actually at honey Creek and Boone, but that oh, was okay. also, that was also a cheating uh, golf hole okay. um, where they just cut it on top of a, like a small hill. Like if you don't make the putt, like it just rolls to another place. And, and we know that everyone else cheated because we sat on that hole for an hour before we even got to play it. So yeah, those are the, the problems with best shots. When you don't play with another team, everyone starts cheating. Honesty. Dang it. Yeah. It's no good. No. Okay. So let's talk about Cletus Summers. Let's do it. Cletus Summers is the principal slash kind of basketball coach slash athletic director at Hickory in the movie Hoosiers. Um, And he is the reason, well, his name is the reason, wait, 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 wait. Went with his name because of what we're about to talk about. And what we're about to talk about is the athletic director side of athletics in high school perfect guest to have doing that because we know that Al Lammers isn't going to come on and help us with any of this. He is so anti our podcast. It is unbelievable. Does he listen to it? No. The only time he listens to it is when Katie Flatness has it on and points out that he is being mentioned. That's the only time. Hey, Katie, Al's being mentioned right now. Yep. Al Lammers. Al Lammers. Anyway, Al the legend Lammers. Maybe. Someday he'll be a legend. So basically came up, I I tried to come up with all kinds of different things. You know, what what kind of names should we have? Um, You know, Craig T. Nelson's TV show coach. But he was just the coach. He didn't have anything to do with the athletic director side. So I I was scrambling and struggling. And I know that Hoosiers is a very popular movie. Hoosiers is a basketball movie. You're a basketball. I could have went with a golf deal too, but you're a basketball guy. So I went with Cletus Summers as, as the name um, and tying that into him bringing Norman Dale in, you know, and they, they end up, well, when Jimmy decided to join, they, they end up running the table. No matter what happened, took care of business. And I don't want to go down this Brandon Schmidt's rabbit hole here. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, but... As a basketball guy, I just have to throw out there that I don't think Hoosiers is one of the best basketball movies that's ever been made. Yeah, you guys had this. Did you? I heard you. You had this argument with somebody that you did not like Hoosiers as much as you liked. What was the what was the one that you liked basketball wise? I like blue chips. There we go. Yes. And I like white men can't jump. Those two are better movies. He got game. Did you did you throw in he got game? Somebody threw in he got game, but. hoop dreams i mean there's there's quite a few out there but anyway i think i love the story of hoosiers i don't want realistic movies 
Like, give me <laughs> Tin Cup all day in a golf movie. I don't need to know, like, the greatest game ever played. Like, gr- good movie, but Tin Cup is far more entertaining. I did enjoy you guys talking about your gadgets today, too. Um, yeah. And Steggy was was spot on with his, well, you got to take your change and you got to move it and stick the, <laughs> the, the, the T behind your ear. So let's, let's get going. Um, diving into the world of being an athletic director in the high school. And I don't know that we need to die, you know, try to, to analyze college or middle school or anything like that. Not that we couldn't do that, but area of expertise for you is obviously going to be in the high school. So let's talk about it. Number one, what education do you have to have in order to be an athletic director for a high school? Yeah, there's really a couple of different paths you can take to, to do this. Um, you know, Al will have his, his admin degree, um, meaning that um, Al could could be a, a principal or a dean or a vice principal, whatever. He could do those types of jobs. That is one way of doing it. Um, the, the other way, um, I shouldn't say that. There's two other ways. You could do it my way. You could have a teaching degree, and then you get your evaluator approval certificate, and then you can actually be an AD that way. Or there is a new way, um, I would say new, like in the last eight to 10 years where they now have an, like an athletic administrator authorization, um, which is your, your kids that, uh, I shouldn't say kids, people that, uh, that have a sports management, sports administration degree in college, and then they can take a few other courses and then be uh, licensed to be an activities director Where are you? In, in the state of Iowa. I could do, I could do either of those last two. I, I, right now I have the, the teaching degree, um, with my evaluator approval. Uh, but I also have a business degree. I, I was not a teacher or at least I was not going to be a teacher right away. I have a business degree, uh, from Wartburg and that is in management and sports management. So if I wanted to, I could just go get rid of the teaching part of it and just get the athletic administrator authorization and then keep continuing um, with that throughout my career. Which, which is what we talked about um, when you first came on, you know, as far as your path to, to being a teacher. Yeah. We talked about yeah. how that, a little different, that a little out. different than most. Yeah. But same spot. I mean, you ended up in the, in the same, same spot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now the, the next part, because I thought the education was, was the, and, and I think from my end, the education piece is, is very intriguing from the standpoint that, you know, back in the day, it used to be, you, you know, you were a teacher and then you went and you got your administration. And then when you were done with your administration, then you started applying for those. And that's not the path you have to take anymore. And, and no. they've opened it up. And I think that that has, that has made the athletic director world a little bit more diverse in people's, you know, background as to who's coming in and, and being an athletic director in a positive way. I think that's been a positive for the world yeah, of would, athletic directors. I would agree. And I, I think it's also the type of job uh, that there is a ton of turnover. So if you do not have enough people um, that are, are willing or able to do this job, uh, then what, then where are you at? So I yeah, think they have to be a little bit more open to, to getting people in those jobs. Cause I would say the, the career length of, of ADs in that particular role, isn't necessarily very long in the education world. 
the, uh, the you know the thing for me having that business background is huge because like for myself let's say I decided that I wanted to get into administration which I've talked to um, well two people uh, about it I, I have no desire to do it but if I were to do it and I walk in and the very first thing I have to do is start talking about budgets what do I know about budgets but a person with a business background can walk in and have have a whole heck of a lot better understanding and ideas to how that's going to work than, than myself. So that, that to me is, is the number one, number two, it doesn't make any difference. And you and I have had this conversation before. It doesn't make any difference what your education is. If you can get along with people and you're really good at, at communicating. And I think those pieces, you know, that business side and the, and the communication piece is, is key for you being successful in that role, which I think is part of the reason why you're successful. You're really good at talking to people, really good at relating to, to everybody um, and being able to conversation and relate. And then also you have that business side. So you're, you're a pretty darn good athletic director, Lee Nelson. I appreciate it. I think, the, I think the management side of my business degree helps out equally as much. Just, just organizing people. And We're going to talk about that. Yeah, I think that, that that's another big key and something that I, I look back on, you know, when I was getting that degree, this wasn't anything I ever thought about doing. I just, at that point, it, you had to be an administrator, yeah. you know, like it was, it was different. So, um, yeah, I think that that piece, the, the management, the organizational management, I think helps out a lot too. Um, so now let's talk responsibilities. And the first place I want to go is schedules. And what do you need to do when it comes to schedules? Not just scheduling contests, but making sure that you've got refs and you've got transportation. And, and so walk us through a little bit of, of the responsibilities that you have when it comes to schedule. Yeah, on a, on a scheduling, like a scheduling the events, that is generally done, you know, nine months plus out. So... So right now you're making sure like baseball is finalized. Like I know that's not nine months from now, but baseball, softball is finalized. You know, everything's, you know, is coming together. Um, but then really you're starting to, to get into next winter already and trying to get those things done. And, you know, in, in our, in the little Hawkeye conference, you know, let's just say basketball, for example, or wrestling, there's a set number of conference dates we're going to have. We know that. Okay, so now we have to fill those other dates. Um, so, so if you don't work a long ways in a, in advance, you're going to lose out on some potential opportunities to schedule people because they're they're doing it. So, so I'd say from the the scheduling of the events, uh, that's done a long ways ahead of time. Whereas the transportation piece. Um, could be the day before, you know, you may have to change something. Um, but generally, you know, we're pretty soon, I would say in, in February, uh, we will get all of our spring transportation time sent to our transportation office and, and get those done, you know, send those to our coaches to make sure they look right. Um, but again, something may come up where, you know, maybe there's a time change or whatever. And then, you know, we're kind of dealing with um, some, some late uh, changes with, with our transportation. Um, but you know, the transportation part is probably the one that freaks you out the most. Like there can't be anything worse than you have a game on the schedule, but you don't have a bus to get them there. 
so that one's the one that you like kind of keeps you up a little bit or that you're double triple checking because uh, again i there has been times where um a coach calls hey we don't have a bus and you look on your your calendar and you're like i have i have one right here it has the driver next to him then you have to call but then there's also times like you get a day ahead of time and they're like hey what time's our bus leave and you're like oh oops missed one um now i would say that doesn't get you a flight often. back from chicago yeah at yeah. 7 15 does that help yeah i love that movie by the way um but i don't think that happens a lot but you know i think it's that constant communication with the transportation department you know they ours do a great job of sending out weekly transportation lists a couple weeks in advance so we can go through and, and and double check that and make sure that the times are right and that we that we do have a bus ready um officials it kind of varies by sport uh we we do have an assigner for most of our uh sports so you know in the fall we find our own cross-country starter but then we send our volleyball dates our football dates um, same thing in winter with with basketball wrestling we have to find our own swim officials so um, you know each sport's a little different and and again I think once you get that schedule locked in then you get that sent to your signer and, and the earlier the better obviously for them and I think for the quality of officials uh, that makes a difference the earlier you can get on there uh, you hope that the quality of the officials you're getting is the best that you can get I think especially in in our league where you know we we are competing with the raccoon river and we are competing with the ciml we want to make sure that we're getting the the people in there that are are ready to officiate that level of of sport same thing with with our sub varsity levels um we have an assigner for a lot of those sports so again that that isn't necessarily a and i'm not saying this in a bad way but we're not getting the same officials the same quality of officials for for sub varsity and varsity and that's fine i mean honestly you know we just need to to make sure we have people in those positions because you know as 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 much as the fans don't like to think the officials are important um if they aren't there we're not playing right right um and and when it comes in and this last piece on, on scheduling you oftentimes with the exception of football will go if not two maybe four years out where you just do the corresponding date and, and continue to roll until you get to, you know, a Saturday or Sunday and then, and then have to figure things out. But if I'm not mistaken, that is oftentimes how you do things too. Well, we can, we can always correspond a, a date, meaning a Friday, a Saturday, a Tuesday, whatever. We don't, we don't correspond the number. Oh, you gotcha. know? So we won't gotcha. fall on like a weird, a weird date. We'll just keep, trying to correspond with that particular day of the week in that particular week of the year. Yeah. The, the challenge becomes like a winter break. Does that date fall in the wrong spot one time? You know, do we have, you know, whatever, how that works? Um, you know, like this, this past or two years ago, we had the, the rollover year. So the yep. schedules are all sorts of messed up where, you basically had a, an extra week in there. So then you have to try to find something to fill that week um, and get everything else to, to work out. Cause really when you think about the scheduling part, the whole point of us scheduling a is to, to get opportunities for our, our kids. But then the next part is to make sure that we are 
preparing our programs to be as successful as they can be when it matters, when it comes to the postseason time. So, right. so opponents, opponents play a big role in that. You know, I think you have to understand what type of team you have in the next few years. You know, do you want to go out and try to, to get a big name person um, that, that is going to help your team compete later on? Or does that, that game, if you schedule them, do you absolutely no good? And, and not just your team, but the, the opponent as well. So there's that, that mix of, of not just filling dates, but also filling them with the right opponents that will help your teams be as successful as they can at the end of the year makes a huge difference. Um, by the way, if all of the responsibilities that I have written down are going to take us this long to get through, we are going to set a record for our podcast um, length. They won't, Next I one, we, we were not going to talk about budgeting because you talked about that um, the last time as far as how that goes. Yeah. However, what I would like to know, are you okay right now, Indianola, as far as your budget goes? Um, and the only reason I'm asking is we, we have so on, on Sunday, when we had our meeting with the football coaches, three of them gave their deficits right now as to where they're at, and especially in comparison to where they have been. 24, 17, and 12 are the three numbers in deficit. So $24,000 under um, where they need to be, or $17,000 and, and $12,000. Are, are, is Indianola doing okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Good. it's not great. It's not great by any means, but... I think um, when you started to see this happen, um, you know, in the spring last year where you knew things weren't great and you could kind of see that that meant that fall was going to be a little tougher than normal. I think you have to start saying no a little bit more. And I talked about this on the, the podcast before it's, and we're not saying no forever. We're saying no for right now. Yeah. And we just want to make sure that, that we are, are healthy financially moving forward. And, and I think we always think about that anyway. We don't just spend every dollar that we have. You know, we, we brought some, some money over from, from last year to this year. And that's going to be really important for us as we're, we still got to get our teams the stuff they need. Right. And need. That they yeah, need. need. Yep. And in, in our wants list, we just have to hold off for a little yep. bit and, and just see where we're at. And, but this is where, you know, for the people that, that are listening, that that feel like they get hit up all the time for the, the booster club, that's a big part of, of what each school can do athletically. And, and for us, you know, we have a music booster club as well. That's really important to be members of those things because that money really does go to our kids and our programs. Um, it is not us just looking for money. And it, that, is, that is a lot of times where we do get the wants. You know, sure. we'll take care of the needs with, with our budget, but then we're going to need some help from, from outside sources. And for us, you know, booster club and marketing slash advertising um, is, is how we're able to kind of get that wants list tackled. Um, great plug, by the way. Yeah. Well, I on, think everyone should be a member of the booster club. Yeah. Um, fundraising. Now, what I would like to talk about as far as the fundraising is not so much like how do you worry about what football, volleyball, cross country are doing versus basketball and wrestling and swimming. But what do you and your athletic department do as far as fundraising or marketing, however it is that you want to spend that? Yeah. So we, we use our video boards as a big portion of what we do to create some extra um, money opportunities for the programs. But again, I'm going to go back to the booster club. Uh, we host 
with the Booster Club, four big events, a golf tournament in the summer, and then three of the, the Chris Street Memorial basketball tournaments each year. Um, Which yes, are humongous. Those, they are. They are. And, and especially financially, they're humongous for us this year. Again, not as, not as big. Um, part of that is because there aren't as many teams that are doing it this year. But another thing is we just aren't making our tournaments as big as they were in the past to try to eliminate as much traffic as we can, but still host an event that are, that all the kids have a chance to, to participate in. Um, you know, the, the other thing with the, the basketball tournaments are, it require a lot of people to, to help. So, um, you know, I know that it's not necessarily our department in the school that does it, but I, really encouraged on most years, not this year, but to get our coaches and our kids involved in those events as well to help. And, and I think that uh, goes a long way with, you know, keeping a, a really strong relationship with our booster club, knowing that I'm, I'm willing to stay at those tournaments from, you know, morning till night. I'm the one that creates the schedule for it. I mean, I, I try to give back any way I can because I know that they're going to ultimately help our kids and our, our programs out a ton. Which is interesting that you lead right into this, which is supervision, which I would say from, from an outsider looking at all the people that I know that are in the world of athletic director um, and when they get out, this is the one piece that, that is basically the deciding factor, in my opinion, the, the supervision piece. So talk a little bit about your supervision. Yeah, I'd say from my, my perspective, it's the most enjoyable part of my job. I want to watch our kids compete. Uh, it doesn't allow you to see every single event. Um, th so I really try to figure out where our kids are going to go. And again, this year's different. You know, we don't have a student section at a lot of away games. Football uh, was, was a little different where we still were able to have some of those, those kids in there. So I think it's really important um, for a, a visiting uh, AD to be there when, when you have a student section. I think the, the rapport you have with your kids and if something's not going well, um, it's a lot easier for me to handle it than if I'm at Norwalk or I'm not at Norwalk and then Al has to go over to our student section and, and take care of that because it, it's just different. They, they know who I am. Um, I've had to do it at our place a couple times. And those kids look at you like, dude, we don't care what you say, you know, and, and you try not to do it in, in a way that you're mean, but, you know, just try to, to get on their level and, and take care of it. But I think it's really important to be at those events, especially if you're going to have a student section. Um, the, the other piece, I guess, when I'm talking supervision, I'm not talking about watching the kids. I'm talking about just having to be at an event and having to be there because you're the you're the person in charge of what's going on uh, running an athletic event and for me i think that's the piece that people you know four nights a week or five nights a week or um, all day on saturday and sometimes maybe a sunday i mean just just that side of things where where you're always having to be at an event that's what i'm i guess what i'm talking yeah. about yeah. Say supervision and we've talked about this uh, before, because you had mentioned in your positive, Christy, and I, and I also mentioned my wife, Misty, and, and just my family in general, um, they know I'm not going to be home a lot certain times of the year. There's also other times where I will be able to, to pick them up from daycare, or, you know, whatever it may be. So it, you have to have that support system at home because it is a lot of time. 
Um, you know, they're, they're fun. I like to be at the events, but at the end of the day, it's still time. It's time away from something else you could right. be doing. So if you aren't supported in that area, you're probably going to not be very happy, uh, nor is your family when you are not gone or not home, you know, very much at night. The, uh, you know, the, the other side of it is the, the difference in age, you know, from your two to our two. Um, significantly different as far as what's going on and what you have to be at and, um, and what you sacrifice, I guess would be the best way to say that. Next one. Yeah, the other side, the other oh, side, would be the, yeah, the, the other part of that though is the maintenance at home at night when you have kids my age is much more difficult. Um, oh, without you know, a doubt. So, so Misty is a saint to be able to take our girls every night and make sure that they're bathing and they're getting to bed on time and i mean it's it's tough enough with two people here um, although i can't imagine one i would say i would much rather deal with your two girls at night than i would with trying to figure out how to get that hair combed uh, in the morning oh that is my job too i i'm the i basically get them ready i would say 90 percent of of the mornings, you know, from, from start to finish. So yeah, I am definitely not very good at doing hair or any of that stuff. I just try to make them look presentable just like I do with myself before. There we you go. Um, and by the way, our, our two could sleep, I don't know, 12 to 14 hours. If, if we let them, of course, I don't know always what time they go to bed, but they, they sleep a long time. Um, now talk about event staff. Like how do you get help and, and, and how does that shake out for an athletic director? Yeah, you, you hope you could just bring back the same people every year. I mean, I, I know like Chain Gang, um, your your press box people for football, your scores table for, for volleyball, uh, basketball, wrestling. I mean, you hope that you're getting the same people because um, it's really not that easy to get volunteers. Um, it's just, it's not. And I think a lot of those are so centric to that sport that you can't just say, Hey, I need a warm body to run the clock for a basketball game. Yeah. We got to have somebody that knows what they're doing. So right. yeah, you, you hope you're in a community where people are willing to help. Uh, we're willing, they're willing to sacrifice some of their time knowing that, you know, they're doing it to help our kids, our programs, you know, be able to have, to run a good event. You know, you talk about track meets. I, I'm really proud of how we run track meets and it has nothing to do with me. It has, everything to do with the people that that we get to help it people think that they just they show up to an event and it, it oh it's a basketball game or it's a track meet it just runs itself it doesn't it's it's the people that are there helping you get through that night that that make it go a lot smoother and and it gives everyone a better experience when something's well ran as opposed to where it looks like people have no idea what they're doing i can tell you firsthand that keeping book at a, at a varsity boys basketball game is not um, it's not very easy. No. It, obviously, the, the longer you do it, the, the more um, under control you are with everything that's going on, but it's still, still a lot coming at you at one time. How about projects? How do, you, how do you go about your responsibility of determining like, what you're going to do next as far as a project goes? And I'm talking big money project, like your weight room, um, things like that. Yeah, you got to get the right uh, to pieces in line or, you know, you, you're really kind of just running in place. So, um, you know, with some of these bigger things, you know, a lot of it comes down to the school district. You know, we, we can't fund new turf and track at our stadium. 
you know, in our activities or athletic department, we have to have the help from, from our school. And, and they're really good about that. Um, you know, we're not asking for a ton all the time. We're not saying we need this new project um, every single year or every single season. But, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, getting new turf in 2020, we're talking about that in 2017, you know, to make sure that we're falling in line and, and, and able to finance that stuff. So, so yeah, I, I think the more supportive your school district is, the, the better that experience is for everybody. Um, and obviously facilities play such a big part in, in what we're trying to do that um, I think the school district to understand that and realize you know, how important that is uh, just makes it a better experience for, for everybody. And not just the ones that are, are getting to use it, but I'm saying the, the planning and the, and the financing and all that stuff. Like when we know that it's something that we really need, you know, and they're supportive of it. It makes a big difference. And, and don't kid yourself, that relationship that you have with the Booster Club because of all the work that you're doing and the volunteering and the helping and, and everything also plays a role in them being able to set money aside to help with whatever the project is that you are, you're trying to accomplish too. Yeah, they basically <laughs> paid for our weight room and, and we gutted Huge. and got everything brand new in there. So that was a lot of money that a majority of it did not come from the school district. A, Huge a big, big part of that was our booster club. Yeah, that, that is, that's huge. How about coaches? Talk about, talk about not just the head coaches and, and how you make that world work. And, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about a little bit um, on the phone was, or, or in a Snapchat video, I don't remember what we were doing, Snapchat video, probably. That's how we usually communicate if we're uh -huh. speaking to one another. Um, just how you've got all these type A personalities that are, that are, you know, very territorial as Al likes to refer, Al Lammers again, likes to refer to his, his coaches are very territorial and how do you get them to work together? And then how do you handle assistant coaches with all the different programs? Yeah, I think you have to show the head coaches the, the big picture. It's not just the basketball team. It's the athletic program. It's not just any particular team. It's the athletic program. So, you know, while we all have that that tunnel vision where we want to make sure we get this done. You have to understand, you know, that still has an effect on, on all of our other programs too. So our coaches are so good about that. Um, very few times am I having any sort of, of difficult decisions when it comes to that. Cause I think they understand that that bigger picture is all of our, all of our programs that are better makes their program better too. So I think a lot of that is communication and a lot of that is the relationship you have with them. You want it to be an honest relationship where they can say what they want. Um, but then, you know, honest enough where they know they're not just going to get whatever they say. So we have to, to kind of work through that. And again, our coaches are so, so great when it comes to that stuff. They're, they're great. Uh, I would, I love our coaching staff just in general, but when we're talking about, you know, the territorial part I don't feel a lot of that because we're really trying to help all of them as much as we can. Which is good. How about um, what's your hiring process? Like, what do you do? I, I know that there is a Norwalk way of, of interviewing and going through that process of, of bringing people in. But what is, and, and let's just go head coaches. Let's not go into assistant coaches. Let, what's, your, what's your process for hiring a head coach? Well, I'll just talk quick. The assistant part, I put a lot of that on our head coach's plate. Sure. So hey, there's somebody should because because the tough part about any of the coaching positions, assistant or head, 
it's not like we have a hundred applicants. You know, we're trying to get the one right applicant in there. Right. I mean, and honestly, that that's how I felt with with any of our head coaching um, positions. Yes, you want to have as many good applicants as you can because you want to sit there and choose between good people. But honestly, I'd rather choose from one good person than five bad ones. True. You know, so true. It's, it's really important to to get the right applicant in there. And it, it, the tough part for us is nobody is, is taking a job just to be a coach. There's gotta be something else where they make a living. Um, so if they're teachers, we gotta have a teaching job for them. So that's, that's sometimes a challenge to line those up. And a lot of that is luck. You've gotta have that, that certain level of luck to, to get the right person with the right positions available. Um, but I would say from, from our hiring process, um, depending on, um, the amount of applicants and the amount of people that we want to interview uh, will kind of dictate who is involved in that. Um, you know, we're lucky in, in our department, we have myself and then our assistant AD, um, you know, and then we'll throw in our HR director, superintendent, we'll go principal, dean, um, you know, I'll get other coaches, other head coaches involved um, when, when I can. Um, you know, especially like we talk about, I've, we've hired both boys and girls basketball since I've been in Indianola. You know, when we hired girls, Brett Watson, our head boys coach was part of that interview process. So I think, uh, um, you know, not, not going into that um, process where I'm going to do it all by myself. Like you've got to let other people have some input because again, the, that is an important part of your program. I mean, maybe, maybe as important as, as anything, besides when we talked about how important talent is, if you're just talking about winning, but, you know, having the right people in that position uh, is going to make my life a heck of a lot easier um, in the long run. Yes. I, I, yes. Even, even, you know, from us hiring assistant coaches, hiring good assistant coaches means that your life is a little bit easier because you don't have to worry about some of the little things that you would normally have to worry about. You can't talk to a kid that way. You can't do this. You can't do that. But if you've got the right people and they're good at building relationships and they're, and they're good at working with kids, you make everything happen. Absolutely. Make it, make it happen. Um, let's talk about evaluations from your side. And again, I don't want to talk assistant coaches. I just want to talk head coaches. What, what do you do? as far as your evaluation process? Yeah, we have a couple different pieces to our evaluation process. Um, there is a kind of a, a pre-evaluation that the, the coaches will fill out. And then I will fill out the post-evaluation. And then also with that, um, I've, I've added some just questions for them to answer, you know, like what are some things that, that are going well? What are some things we need to improve on? Do you have any sort of issues or positive things to say about the, your assistant coaches? Um, you know, what do you need from our office? Um, basically those questions are what drives the discussion at, at the evaluation. I'm not going to sit there and, and look at the evaluation where I have to check out of this standard, hey, you meet expectations here. That, that gives us absolutely zero quality feedback. So we need to create some conversation points that again, make that a quality piece of feedback in the end so that we are taking steps forward every year to, to make improvements where we need to and get the program to where we want it to be. What I would really like to talk to you about today is section F, sub point three, letter I, 
on right. my form here that I just don't know that you're re meeting the expectations that I'd like you to have. Yeah. That's a tough conversation to have. And, and then part of the evaluation for, for us, and we don't use this in, in my evaluation of the head coaches, but certainly a, a way for coaches to see how other people perceive them and their program. Uh, we do send out a survey to parents at the end of each season uh, that they can fill out anonymously. Um, again, the, I think the biggest point, because you will get, most of the people that put comments in there are negative. The people that are happy, they just check the boxes and move on. Uh, you have to be able to, to differentiate between the feedback that is meaningful and the feedback that is just people airing out any sort of grievance that they have against you. Because at the end of the day, when people are upset, it 99% of the time comes down to playing time. No matter what kind of email you get, the bottom line is it is somewhere in there. It is playing time. And you have to be able to, to kind of brush that off and, and look at the, maybe some of the bigger themes that you might see. If somebody, if five people make the same comment, maybe that's something you need to think about. If sure. one person says this is going on and, and you never hear it again, it's probably just their personal opinion about a certain situation. Um, are we missing anything responsibility wise? Can you think anything? And obviously we, you know, I sent you the list ahead of time. So it's not like you're, you're hearing it for the first time or seeing it yeah. for the first time. I mean, honestly, if you want to go responsibilities for me, the scheduling of the facilities is the absolute worst part of. Oh, of sure. Sure. Because you have outside organizations that want to be like, like volleyball this past weekend for you. Yeah. You, you've got that group that that's coming in and, and wanting. It's, it's just a challenge. Us. Yeah. We, our, our facilities are a blessing and a curse. You sure. know, we have, we have so many facilities for, for people to use. Um, and that's great because we can generally accommodate people with at least a little bit of time here and there. The, the tough part is, okay, how do you organize that so that everyone does get a little piece of the pie and, and they feel comfortable with what they're getting. And at the end of the day, I mean, our, our programs take precedence when we're, we're scheduling our facilities. So then we take those rest of those times and try to divvy them out. It's just, it's not fun. It's really time consuming. Um, and it's just, it's not, it's not enjoyable, but it's something that we have to do because a lot of those programs are the feeder programs of our, of our high school programs that, you know, they're going to pay, pay off um, in the long run. If we, you know, we have really good feeder programs. And, and at the end of the day, not only do you want to make sure that you can give everybody a little piece of the pie, but you're also keeping those people that are in your house, you know, not, I'm not talking Misty and the girls and, and Ellison, but I'm talking in your, in your athletic house, happy. You don't, you don't want to give prime time, um, court time away to some outside organization and have Brett fired up at you that, that he, what do you mean? I don't get to use the court that I want to use at this time. So that, yeah. that's a, that's a juggling nightmare when it comes to that piece. Yeah, we just block off 3.30 to 5.30 every day in our, our prime facilities. Um, they, they know, I mean, if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me, hey, I would really like to have practice at 3.30, not happening. It, it, it just not, it, it, I don't care what day it is. We're not even going to go down that path because then the expectation is, oh, I'll just keep asking. No, your times are from 5.45 to 9.30, and this is how we need to figure it out. Live with it get it figured out yourself. Yep. Um, any final thoughts? 
Got any final thoughts on, on this whole subject? No, besides that, I mean, this job is, is extremely enjoyable. It's also extremely stressful. Um, you have to try to find that balance um, between the two where you, you can't just brush all the stress stuff away and, and take on all the enjoyable things. But there is, there is a balance. And when you find it, it it's a really, really fun job to have. The, uh, um, I, I think the world of athletics uh, is fascinating in general. And then when you start to dive in and you hear about all the different things that you have to do, and it doesn't matter what sport you're involved in, there, there are, there are a lot of similarities, but then there are differences, you know, the little nuances, but then when you go one step above where all the coaches are and you take a look at the, the athletic director piece, um, that that's a very intriguing world for me, just because of what you have to deal with when it comes to all the different hats that you have to wear, um, when it comes to that. So I, I appreciate your, your one, your honesty. And then two, just the fact that it's really easy to, to throw a, throw a, you know, a responsibility your way, I get to say it, and then you just, you take it off and run and I don't have to pull it out of you. I, I you, you make a good interviewer. Interviewee. Uh, yeah. Um, so history, I decided to be um, a little nostalgic only from, and I'll talk about that here in just a second, only from the, the standpoint that in my time in Norwalk, 24 years, two athletic directors have been, have been here. Um, Mike Collins, and, and that's the nostalgic part, you know, he, he's the one in 2000 that took a chance on a, on a 25-year-old to uh, take over his football program and, and had, the, had the foresight to know that it, it was a decent choice. <laughs> there were a few dark times in there that it wasn't a very good choice, but at the end of the day, um, still here, you know, 21 years later after, after he, uh, he pulled, the, uh, pulled the trigger, and then, of course, Al took over um for Mike and and that has been um you know he and I were were peers and friends ahead of time and then he took over in that role and and you know here lately I would imagine and by the way Katie we're mentioning Al again um Al would tell you that in my time as far as me growing as a not just a, a an adult but then also as a head coach I've also spent a lot more time in his office and one of the things that Al has helped me tremendously with um, is, is the professional side as far as getting into the Iowa Football Coach Association, you know, because he was, he was a president um, of the Iowa Athletic Directors Association here not too long ago. And, and just being able to bounce ideas off of him, you know, about, hey, this is going on, what do you think? And, and talking to him has been, has been really good for me. Um, and, and we've grown just a little bit differently in, in terms of our relationship, when it comes to that side, we're, we're a little bit more um, professional, still an idiot when I walk into his office, because I love, oh, there is nothing greater than going in and poking the bear. Um, that I get a, a very large amount of enjoyment doing that, but also going in and, and being able to, to talk to somebody, you know, from a professional side of things because of where he was and stuff. So um, love Mike to death. You know, that, that I, I am forever and eternally grateful for what he did for me from a, from a coaching side and a professional side, and then just a personal side, how much he and Sue um, care for us, you know, and then, and then Al's side of helping me grow in, in, in where I'm at. So having just two guys um, or two people in charge of the athletic department since I've been in Norwalk in 24 years is, is really remarkable, I think. 
there's some consistency yeah. which i think we all we all like yep and, and like i said i a lot of the a lot of the places they they do turn over quite a bit so to have just two people i think just helps there be you know that that backing of you know i i may keep going back to consistency but that's really the the key here yeah and and i mean just you know uh I, I could talk about Michael, you know, for an entire episode, just because of, of the relationship that he and I had, and, and it was unique and special. Um, and then obviously, you know, Al and I, uh, I coached baseball for him when I first got to Norwalk, and then, you know, transition into um, head football while he's still head baseball, and then he takes over as athletic director, and then, you know, our time together growing that way and stuff. So it's been really good. Um, do, do, you, do you have anything else history-wise? I was going to throw the, the, the middle school athletic directors in there, but, but I decided not to. Um, uh, having a tough time talking about the very first one and, and how that's going to go down. So I'm just not going down that rabbit hole, Brandon, and I'm just moving on. Positive. Um, this one, I might get a little emotional. Uh, we lost Jim Wood on, on uh, Friday night and in, in, a, in a very uh, unique situation in which you know he went out to uh to start the bus on friday night um while the boys game was going on and he, and he had a heart attack and and uh passed away on friday and and you know for me it, it had a rough weekend um shoot and back in episode 24 on october 20th 2020 we we talked about jim um as a positive you know and one of the things for me when it came to jim at that point in time was just talking about him being a little bit of a security blanket for me um, with, you know, just uh, how he went about, you know, you get on the bus on a Friday night and there he is and, and you feel really good because you know, you're in good hands. And, um, you know, the one thing that I continue to talk about when it comes to Jim is we took our very first senior trip, uh, in 2016 and it was an absolute, um, crap show. You know, we, I, I, and I, and I talk about this frequently, I was two seconds away from clicking, um, an outdoor shelter, basically, which was just some posts and a roof over the top of a picnic area um, for our night that we were, where we were going to sleep and then decided against that and decided we were going to, we got several hotel rooms at, at a Hotel 8 um, at, uh, um, in Makokata. And the only person that volunteered to drive us was Jim Wood. And, you know, he took us over on Saturday um, spent most of his time just hanging out, you know, by the shelter and, and basically saving it for us as we explored Makokata Cave State Park and, and helped us get the, the grills ready. And he spent the night with us. And then we get back up and we go Sunday. And you know what day Sunday was? It's Father's Day. And he was there, um, you know, till five o'clock when we got home. And his wife, Connie, was not very pleased with, with our decision. To, uh, to pull Jim away on, on Father's Day. And so that point forward, we, we ended up not doing it. But for a guy who has nothing else going on, you know, as far as being his ties to the football program, decides that he's going to take an overnight trip with us and spend the entire two days basically supervising and helping us do the things. And remember, this is Cole Hopkins' group. So they're off center anyway. Uh -huh. um, and just the kindness that he displayed and he was all in and he absolutely loved serving others and he loved driving bus. And we are, we are forever grateful and gonna miss him 
tremendously. Okay. Well, I, if I can add to that, I mean, yeah, add away. That'll give Jim me time is, to recover. Yeah, Jim was the really the one bus driver from Norwalk that I would still see after I left. You know, because he was here all the time. You know, right. driving those different um, sports, and it was just the the guy. I mean, we would have a conversation, and I, you know, I worked one year with the girls basketball program, you know, Jill's first year. And, and that was our bus driver. And I will tell you, there was one time when Jim didn't drive our bus and Jill, I know you're listening. Uh, this was uh, to DCG. And I guarantee anybody that was on that bus remembers that trip to, to DCG when he wasn't there with us. It was not as smooth uh, as it normally was. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it becomes again, that, you know, you said, you know, safety blanket, you know, security, security blanket. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that consistency part that, you know, you just knew that he was going to take care of you. And, and it wasn't, it was like very little about driving bus. It was about taking care of the people that were on the bus. And, and he did a tremendous job of that. You know, I, 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 <laughs> for us to spend, spend the night, um, and that in that hotel in Makokita with that first group, you know, we're talking, I think we got five rooms. So we got one for Jim. I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly. We got one for Jim and we let him go to bed, um, you know, on, on Saturday night because we, we stayed up and did our book talk. And then we got one room for me. And then we got three rooms in which the, the boys had to stay in and, you know, you, you talk to any of those kids now, and one of the things that they talk about is how little of sleep that they got, you know, from Saturday into Sunday. And then I made him get up really early on Sunday, and Jim was raring to go. He, he was out to the bus, dropped his suitcase off, came back in, had breakfast with us, and then we were back out and, and off and running, you know, and then we spent the rest of the day exploring. Well, by the time we come back for lunch, he's already got the grills going. He's got the charcoal heated up and he's ready for us to, to grill what we were grilling for lunch, you know, and he did the same thing the night before when we were there. Uh, uh, just a, a kind man who would do anything for any of his, any of his kids and any of his programs and, and uh, he'll be missed. So what else you got? You got anything else? We did it. It's long, but we did it. Yeah. Well, we're about, we're about an hour and a half in pretty close to an hour and a half. Um, Cletus Summers, obviously from Hoosiers, you know, is, is the, is the title of our episode 36. And the reason why we did that is we're, we're, we dove into your world, your world of athletic director, uh, being an athletic director. And then of course, the nasty nine in Northwood, Iowa um, is our non-sponsor. If you get a chance, you know, not only I think, should you make sure you let us know that, that one, if you've already golfed there, or two, if you're interested in trying to figure out a way for us to get up there and, and do a, uh, a little tour of, of Northern Iowa golf courses, you know, get a hold of Lee. Um, him and his two putt pod crew would, would love to have that, have that happen. But let us know what's going on when it comes to your world of, of the Nasty Nine. Um, and, and we'll go from there. And as always, you know, we appreciate feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I, I still think that that to me is the most important piece of all of this is hearing from people. 
um, you know, and, and letting us know what you think and, and what you got for us. And um, we love hearing from it, from you and love to mention your name too, you know? Um, so that's all I got, you know, episode 36, Lee, I appreciate you always, you know, and, and, and thank you for coming on. And again, I don't know if I can say this enough. There's only two people that uh, I'd be able to do this with and, and you're one of them. So I appreciate that. And, and you're always so willing and able to get it done. Um, perfect. So Cletus Summers, episode 36 of Talking the Walk. I am Paul Patterson signing off. Thanks for listening. Lee Nelson, appreciate it. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show. Yeah.